You're listening to the Video Marketing Podcast, helping you go a little more viral every day. Here's your host, Matt Johnston. Welcome everybody to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm Matt Johnston. As you know, as she just told you, and uh, excited to talk about Instagram here because when it comes to Instagram and video, people are constantly, I mean, there's video all over Instagram, everywhere, across all of Instagram. Nobody ever talks about it though. Uh, there's a lot of cross-posting going on between Facebook and Instagram or Instagram and other platforms. Uh, I know myself as a big TikTok guy, I'm <laughs> basically feeding Instagram my TikTok content because it does tend to do well there. But yeah. then how do you make, I mean, a lot of what I always talk about is how do you actually optimize content for different social platforms. And we don't often talk about how to optimize video content for Instagram. And it, com it comes down to what everything else comes down to. What does your audience want and what are they expecting to get on the platform and how do they want to consume it? So I have Jen Herman with me here today to get to the bottom of this. Jen is from where I see that really one of the top, if not the top Instagram expert um, that I know of. So I'm really excited. I mean, there's really nobody better to talk to about Instagram. Uh, she, she, she's been in uh, everywhere on the planet, Fox, who <laughs> talking about this stuff, author of Instagram for dummies, Instagram for business for dummies. Very nice. <laughs> uh, the ultimate guide to social media marketing, et cetera, et cetera. You've seen it. Uh, you, you've heard of her on uh, pretty much every podcast and uh, Jen is Jen, Jen knows everything about Instagram. And so when it comes down to video, uh, we just sort of had an interesting conversation before this because we were saying like, what is the video strategy here on Instagram? Because people approach it differently. We approach content in a very unique way on Instagram, Jen. And I think, uh, I think the best way to start this conversation is, well, first of all, let's, let's learn a little bit more about you and how you got into, I, obviously you weren't <laughs> born saying, I want to be an Instagram expert, uh, <laughs> nor a right? social media expert. So how did you end up here? Uh, it was a total fluke. Uh, no, I did not wake up one day and say, I want to be an Instagram expert. That is totally not how it happened. Uh, I had started my blog seven and a half years ago on Instagram marketing, or sorry, on social media marketing. And it was Jen's trends in social media. And this was when Instagram was really kind of picking up and starting to gain some steam. And I was like, you know, at the time, of course, we're on every social media plan or uh, platform available. And I was like, I do not need another platform. I don't want to do Instagram. But all my friends were asking me to do it. And I'm like, hey, if I'm writing this blog about trends, I obviously have to embrace Instagram. So let me try it out. And I fell in love with it. I loved the photography. Now this was back before videos were allowed on Instagram. Um, but I loved the photography. I loved the community and how you started connecting with people and how the platform was built. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. How do we use this for marketing? And I started Googling and researching and there was so little content out there that I was like, well, screw it. I got a blog. I'll start blogging about it. So I did, and I started testing things, and I started going, well, if, you, if this works, you could do this from a business perspective. If this works, you could use this application. And I just started blogging about it, and next thing you know, I was ranking as number one on Google for searches because I was the only person consistently writing about it. And then people started inviting me to podcasts, and it just kind of became my thing, um, which I love, and I'm glad that you know I hitched myself to that bandwagon. But it's you know it's performed really well in terms of a business strategy. But it definitely wasn't something I woke up one day and, and chose this. It kind of chose me, and in the process, I'd been very very lucky to meet amazing people around the world 
that when new features launch in certain countries, they will reach out to me and be like, hey, I got early access. Do you want in? And they'll either give me access to their account or they'll send me screenshots so we can test and try things before we get access to them in other places. People always send me updates about new things, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I get to keep my pulse, you know, a little bit higher than some people in terms of what's new and fresh and, and going on. And then we test it out and see how everything works. That's great. I, I'm really excited for the conversation because um, I think Instagram to me these days feels like a little bit more of a black box than it used to feel to me um, with the algorithm. And uh, I think some people often feel like they're hitting a ceiling on Instagram. Some people, right? Like it's kind <laughs> of like, Jen, asking for a friend, how do you grow on Instagram now? <laughs> uh, but seriously, this is, uh, this is not, um, it's not a platform that I pers for my own personal brand of like heavily invested in. Um, I've been going hard on other platforms. And to be honest with you, some of it is a mindset shift around, uh, it, used, it used to be easier to grow on Instagram. And obviously it's harder now. And so I'm really interested in your thoughts on this because I know everybody in the audience is asking the same question. And I'm interested also in how you would use video to do that, of course, as well. So, um, and we can get, and I, so, so I'd love to get into both of your, yeah. both your growth strategies and the, and the specific content. But if, if we just start with the content plan and, and, and the approach, what are the first questions that as a brand you should be asking yourself approaching Instagram content generally? So in general, assuming you've been using Instagram for any period of time, you're going to want to go look at your insights on your either business or creator profile, which you should be a business or creator profile. You should not be a personal account. Um, and for the record, Instagram does not punish business profiles like Facebook does. So it's totally safe to be a business profile. Um, but you want to go look at your insights. And if you go into your insights under the content tab, you'll see an option for see all on your feed and see all for your stories. You can tap on either one of those. The feed post, if you click on that one, will actually show you all of your content for up to two years worth of content. And you can sort that for different criteria like reach, engagement, website clicks, follows, you know, all these different criteria. And you wanna search that content for whatever metrics you're looking for. Are you looking for higher engagement? Are you looking for the ones that drove that website traffic? and look and see what type of content has traditionally performed best for you. Because like you mentioned, it's really about your audience. And on Instagram, you mentioned the algorithm. On Instagram, the algorithm is uh, almost 100% focused on the individual user. It's not a popularity contest. On Facebook, the more people see your content, the more people they engage with it, the more people comment on it, the more people Facebook shows it to. Instagram does not work the same way. Popularity is a very small factor. So you want to know what is reaching your audience, what content is getting the most exposure and then the most engagement, most website clicks, et cetera, so that you can say, oh, well, based on this, my audience really likes it when I include pictures of puppies or when I you know, don't have my product in the photo or when I have my face in the photo, whatever it is, you can start to look for those tendencies in that content and go, okay, now we know we want to create more of this. You can also compare photos to videos because algorithmically, Instagram doesn't have a preference. It does not give preferential treatment to videos or photos. They are ranked the same, but your audience may prefer one over the other. So look and compare. Do videos typically perform better for you or do photos? And then again, do more of what is traditionally working for you. Test, test, test. Start doing more of those things. See how they work. If you find new trends, move in that direction. Okay. 
And what are the sort of there? What are the biggest misconceptions about Instagram? Because uh, I know personally, a lot of times when I'm thinking about Instagram, and this comes up all the time. <laughs> really interested to, he, to 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 know how you feel about some of this stuff. Um, the 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 need for that deep aesthetic eye is mm -hmm. sort of my biggest thing and sometimes i even have been known in the past to criticize instagram for being sort of this this place where we can't be ourselves we just want to mm -hmm. be a version of ourselves at the same time though you can't help but think that that is potentially a limiting belief but also more of uh an obstacle that you're creating for yourself that you cannot be more you, more vulnerable, whatever it may be. And this is particularly uh, prescient to video because, uh, I mean, on, on Facebook, you see all these people, coaches and consultants all over the place, yeah. you know, with selfie videos, like record all the time. And they just don't do that on Instagram because they don't feel like that's going to, number one, like, be consistent with people's feeds in general where it's very highly curated uh curated and then number two i hear this all the time i'm really interested to hear your take on it a, a lot of people are like oh well you've got to be careful about what your grid looks like when people go oh. to your profile i always say please stop thinking about that but yes. maybe i'm wrong am i wrong no, you're not wrong a hundred percent with you on that one <laughs> No, you know, and it's one of these things where, you know, over the years, uh, I've talked to different people and somebody once referenced it as, you know, my feed looks like a Stepford wife. And I was like, that's the best explanation ever because that's what they started to look like, right? Everyone was doing these very pastels and muted and everything was so super perfect and, and heavily edited and photoshopped. And like you said, you felt like you weren't even yourself. You were this pristine image of perfection. And I was like, my content never looked that good. I can tell you that much. Um, I just, I can't edit a photo to look like that if I tried. But it, that was a trend for a while. Absolutely. And I think that did turn off a lot of people and a lot of, like you said, the coaches and the people that were out there trying to build these online businesses were all trying to mimic that stylistic approach and they were worried about the grid and what lied next to another image and what was on the row of three and you know were they alternating images and quotes and all these things and I was like girl please like nobody cares the only time someone's looking at your grid is traditionally the first time they ever come and look at your profile so right. you want that to look cohesive in the sense that somebody seeing you for the first time, we want them to know who you are, what you do, what kind of content you share. And if it's relevant to them, they can determine that from the grid. So yes, there should be some consideration in terms of the content, but in terms of whether or not it's, you know, aesthetically perfect or aligned or everything in this row is one thing, everything in this row is another, or they alternate, nobody cares except for you. <laughs> so it's not worth the stress to, you know, put that much time and effort into what that grid looks like. It's more important what the content looks like in the feed of your followers so that they're the ones seeing it. They're following you. What are they seeing in the feed that's going to get their attention and make them want to interact with that content, watch the video, scroll through the carousel, read your caption, see your call to action, that sort of thing. So you want that content that stands out and content that stands out is a free for all. Again, knowing what your audience wants, you can determine that. But 
I personally prefer content that is bold. I want something with bold colors or, you know, really catches your attention when you're scrolling through a feed of monotony. When something is a big pop of purple, oh, like that's going to get your attention. You know, something with simpler backgrounds and not a really busy image will typically get people's attention more because it's a clear focal point and there isn't a lot of distraction in the image. Certain colors can give, you know, added advantages, that sort of thing. But yeah, I think too many people put too much pressure on it has to be this perfect image and it doesn't. A lot of times, you know, I've worked with various types of clients across the board and a lot of times it's their raw images that perform the best because those are relatable. That especially during COVID and quarantine and who's out there doing, you know, fancy photo shoots, probably nobody, at least not safely. So those more raw or unfiltered type images tend to be more relatable. And those can be some of your best performing content when performed well within your content strategy. Yeah, see, that's what's interesting because I'm always sort of, I mean, we always talk about being native mm -hmm. and, and because, because the more native you are with your content, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, I, 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 I suppose it would get more engaging. You would think. And in general, you know, again, you have to test your audience. In general, I think people want that more native kind of organic, real raw. That's why Instagram stories have become so popular because they are what Instagram was six, seven years ago when it was instant and it was simple filters and it wasn't heavily processed. And Instagram stories are that real raw instant connection. And I always talk to people and I laugh because they're like, oh, I get way more conversions from my Instagram stories. Cause you know, but I don't know why. And I'm like, because you're being real and unfiltered in your stories, you let your hair down, so to speak. You're talking the way you talk. It's your feed content is so polished. It's so corporate. It's so perfectly curated that people aren't attracted to it. But in your Instagram stories, you're making jokes, you're laughing, you're tripping over your words, you're doing all these normal things and people go, hey, I can relate to that person. I wanna buy their course. I wanna buy their program. I wanna sign up. I wanna buy their book, whatever it is because they can relate to that person. So stories tend to drive those higher conversions as a result. And those are sort of inherently not pretty at all. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so at the end of the day, really, I mean, I, I think that um, it's, it's sort of like, how do we look at the mold and, and, and how does that mold help us achieve whatever our business goals may be? And, and if it just tends to be visibility with the right niche, um, then, then you're just sort of trying to identify. I mean, this is what my, my book is called producing empathy because I believe that anyone clicks. The only reason why anyone clicks views or buys anything online is because they see themselves in it and emotionally identify with it in some way. And maybe that's true with all content. I mean, maybe it's just true with all content at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, so, so then what is it? Like, what is it? So why though? Why do the gorgeous pictures of people looking the way they would never look in real life <laughs> have so many thousands of likes? I think that was a big shift in that influencer space that we saw for a couple of years. I think influencer marketing has definitely changed in the last year or so with more mm. realistic expectations but there was this big influencer market on Instagram and everyone was saying, well, these influencers are out here taking all these amazing photographs, heavily, you know, polished images. We want to look like them. And they had kind of set this standard. And the more brands that jumped on the bandwagon, the small businesses were like, well, that's what we have to do. Even though that isn't necessarily what you would even interact with, 
you were being conditioned to think this was what was the right thing to do. And then over time, people have started to be like, okay, that's a lot of work. That's too hard, you know, or that just doesn't represent our brand. You know, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, people know me. I, I love my high heels and my pencil skirts, you know, and this is who I am. And that's who you're going to get no matter where you find me. But that's my style. That's okay for me to embrace that. I don't, I'm not going to show up in, you know, board shorts and a surfboard because people are like, who the heck are you? Like, I don't go in the ocean. Why would I be wearing that? So you have to make sure that your brand, no matter what you're doing, is still true to you, whether it's on Instagram or any social media platform, that it's still relatable. And you can do some filters and do some polishing, but it really has to stay true to you so people connect with that real personality. Mm, okay. All right. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's just it's very interesting because sometimes people will say, oh well, you need to feel native to Instagram, so then you need to find a way to do that. And I've experimented with this myself. It's kind of like, well, I don't know photography background, but let's put this in portrait mode, and uh, you know, make sure that we will we'll pick the black background, and so this will work better on Instagram than it'll work anywhere else because it feels native. But wouldn't I rather interrupt the pattern, you know? Yes. And, and so. Right. So the answer is yes. Right. <laughs> Do you? I, I always tell people, I kind of, some of my friends are always like, you know, Jen's quote is, Do you, boo? Um, and I really, I'm like, Do you? If, if you don't like, certain types of photography, don't do that for your content. You don't have to, because like you said, you're going to almost, you know, upset the apple cart by doing something different. That's going to get people's attention. I would rather you have stayed true to your brand, your voice, your style. And that's what people are going to connect with. Not to mention now when they see that uniquely you content in the feed, they recognize it as yours, which subconsciously makes them, if they're already following you more likely to want to interact with it because they know who you are. They know that brand style and it's going to make them want to interact versus you trying to copy everybody else and everything just becomes a stream of, you know, everything looking the same. This is a big moment for me, Jen. <laughs> I'm not like, this is not showmanship. I'm, uh, I, I think you might've given me my next book idea. I'm not looking to write another book. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, like I was just thinking about it. Like, this, like my book is called Producing Empathy. Yeah. But like, then I'm like, okay, but empathy, like that sort of goes across all content. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, so anyway, I wrote down a story is a story as the title of my next book. We will see if it's true. <laughs> and basically the idea is like at the end of the day, we're emotionally connecting and that's why we're engaging. So, yeah. uh, so may, maybe native is not even really a thing. Maybe it's just about emotional identification. How can you emotionally thing, like, identify with people? Years ago, Instagram really was about making things super Instagrammy and making sure you right. had that certain aesthetic and style. But it's such a broad platform now. And there's such a broad audience that, yes, you still want pretty pictures. It's a visual platform. You have to get people's attention with a pretty picture or video. But it definitely it was a photography doesn't... app to start, right? I mean, right. it started as a photography app. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's evolved and people share memes and they share quotes and graphics, which I still don't like on the platform, but people do it and they get good engagement because it's such a broader audience. We're Why don't you like well them on the over... platform? I'm curious. What's that? Why don't you like them on the platform? I'm curious. Because they're not photos and videos. I just, to me, that kind of graphical image where it's, you know, a simple background with the big, bold text, that's very Facebook. It's very Twitter. It's very LinkedIn. And it's just not the pretty picture. So 
I personally don't like them, but a lot of times they do perform really well because again, that broad audience, they're used to seeing that on other platforms. So when they see it on Instagram, it's comforting, it's recognizable, it's something they're used to seeing, and it can still be very rewarding in terms of a content strategy. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, okay, so let's talk about video. How are you seeing video used interest in, in interesting ways on the platform? And there's obviously, there's three ways that we can mainly see them. We see them, well, maybe four if you count explore. So we have the feed, explore stories and IGTV. How are you seeing brands use this in interesting ways? Most of the time when you're talking stories and feed, we're talking short form video, right? So feed is up to one minute and each individual story sequence is up to 15 seconds for video. So we are talking short form content. This is not something where somebody like me who is very verbose and can talk for hours, I have to learn to really shorten my content to have it be successful on Instagram. The shorter, the better. We're talking really short attention spans and people are scrolling quickly through that feed. They're navigating quickly through those stories. So we do want that really quick punch content. We want something that no rattling on, no introductions. You launch and you're like, here's the topic. Like you go right into what you're talking about. Don't waste people's time or you will not keep up that video retention. And that's for both, you know, stories and feed as well as IGTV. You really want to make it as short as possible. You know, jump right into the content. Once you get into the content, then if you want to do your little reminder of who you are or why you're talking about it, that's fine. Now you've got their attention, but definitely really perfect those intros. People are also looking for entertainment. You have to remember that regardless of what your business is, Instagram is a fun place. People do want to learn. And I'm a huge advocate for educational content on Instagram. And if you look at my feed, it's pretty much all educational content but people want to be entertained. So when you can do fun little entertaining videos that give them a, a short escape from the rest of the world, those will typically perform really well because people want that you know, mental escape from reading and all the things that are going on in their lives. And if we're in the feed, uh, we should be using square format, yeah? Or four by five? Yes. I Ideally, keep it to a square. If you want to go portrait mode, that's fine. Um, to yeah, like the four by five kind of thing. Don't do landscape because it's so hard on that size screen. You end up with such like a narrow height for your video. Avoid landscape, but you can definitely go portrait if you want to. Just remember that in your profile, when somebody goes there, it's going to be cropped in terms of the grid to a square. So they're just going to see whatever thumbnail as, you know, a square image instead of the portrait mode. Um, additionally, make sure you're picking good thumbnails. That is key. When you upload your video to Instagram, you can choose your cover. It should not be the first frame of your video unless you have a really stylized first frame of your video. So always pick a really good frame that stands alone as an image. So when someone is looking at your profile and they, they don't just see a black square with like the little video icon, cause then they don't know what the video is. Make sure it's a great capture of whether it's an overlay with the title of the video, whether it's your face, the product, whatever it is, a really good thumbnail makes a big difference in those conversions. Okay. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think that that's, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, always advocate for this on Facebook because you just simply never see the thumbnail. Uh, I mean, you really don't. I mean, everything yeah. autoplays and it does in Instagram as well, but we do spend more time, I believe, I don't have data back this up, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that we likely spend more time on an Instagram profile than we spend on a Facebook page. Absolutely, yeah. It's more of a, 
it's, it's, it's more of a branding page. It's more of a landing page than a Facebook page might be. So yeah. Okay. So that's, so, so that's great. We need to be very, um, very intentional about how we, how we use that thumbnail image. Uh, what about stories? How are videos being used most effective in stories? Do you like uh, episodic type stuff? Mm -hmm. Do you ever take longer videos that like actually auto chunk themselves <laughs> in, in, cause I see I, people doing that and I've done it myself or, yeah. or do you just like the little bite size? What do you think? Personally, for me, because again, I, you know, I always tell you, if you can say it in 10 words, I can say it in 100 words. So I tend to be the one that films like the one minute video cropped into four 15 second segments because I need the full minute to say what I want to say. Uh, but those are great. Instagram does have the, you know, the native chop up to one minute. If your video is longer than a minute and you want to chop into the 15 second segments, you have to use it as a third party tool. But when it's up to a minute, Instagram will automatically chop it into the 15 second segments for you. And that's a great way to just be able to keep your train of thought going, be able to get what you want out um, in terms of the context. That's great. If you're going to do short little sequences, those 15 second sequences, by all means, go for it, do it, have fun, mix in things like the music, you know, options. If you're importing your TikTok videos, go for it. Um, you know, it's the great thing about stories is there's so much variety to how you can create the content that no one's content should ever look like anybody else's. You can add all the text overlays, the doodles, the stickers, all the interactive components that really make it unique to you. Um, a couple best recommendations is pick two or three filters that are consistent for your brand and use those consistently on all of your stories. So if you're always gonna use, you know, Paris and, you know, Tokyo, great. Those are your two, you know, filters and you're always gonna use those, be those consistently. Pick a couple of color fonts and use those consistently. So if you're always going to use white font, you know, blue font or yellow font, those are your three brand colors. That's all you use for your font options. Um, even the font style, like I always use the neon font, which is very cursive because that's very on brand for me. But if you're going to use classic or if you're going to use typewriter, pick one or two fonts that are traditionally what you will use in all your content. It starts to streamline all of your stories videos, photos, as a sequence, they all stay consistent when those filters and fonts are consistent across the story sequence. And individually, they become recognizable, very branded, and it can really help with that recognition and that engagement level as well. Now, do you have any insights on how the algorithm looks at some of this video content? A couple of things on my mind, because often when I'm talking about optimizing for platforms, I'm talking about optimizing for algorithms so you can maximize your visibility. So mm -hmm. a couple of things that um, I don't know off the top of my head uh, are, for example, how important is video engagement in the feed? For example, do we want to uh, be having people watch 100% of these videos or as large a percentage as possible. And then with stories, how does it, how does the algorithm look at uh, story engagement? Is it better if, uh, if, if, if someone is tapping and watching four of your stories versus one and leaving? I mean, what's, what's, yeah. what's going on with the Instagram algorithm and video? So, and again, it, you have to remember this is a per individual user as a primary focus, not the mass popularity in general. But if you want to be showing up in the explore page, it does obviously help that more people are doing certain positive interactions with your content. So yes, obviously we want to keep retention up, especially in the feed. The longer they're watching, the better that ranks for that person. Meaning if I see your video and I watch two seconds and scroll past, 
that's not going to be a very positive ranking because it obviously didn't appeal to me and I didn't stick around for retention. So that becomes almost a negative ranking algorithmically. However, if I had stayed and watched 38 seconds of your 40 second video, that's a very positive ranking. I'm more likely to see more of your videos when you post them because the algorithm recognizes I'm watching your video. So longer retention is definitely an ideal metric that we want to look at when we're doing the videos. In terms of the stories, yeah, anytime where someone goes back and they watch a story sequence again, that's a very positive ranking. That means they didn't get enough the first time and they wanted to watch it again. So mm. that's a positive ranking. If somebody is watching through the whole sequence, that's a very positive engagement. Additionally, when you can add any of those engagement functions, so whether it's a sticker, where you're asking the polls, the questions, um, any of those sorts of stickers, add those to like your last video sequence and that forces people to take an active engagement on your story. So you do a little, you know, maybe a three bit story sequence and the last one has, you know, do you want more of this? Yes or no. And then people choose yes. You get a positive ranking algorithmically that yes, people want more of this content, but the algorithm says they watched all three and took an active participation by clicking on something, not just passively watching and going to the next story. That becomes incredibly powerful as a ranking algorithm for stories as well. So anything you can do to keep the actual active engagement up is very positive. Now these videos don't play with sound. Uh, do you ever, I, I assume not on the feed, but do you ever go out of your way to put sound on stickers on your stories? Yeah, so if you're obviously talking, people are going to know to turn sound on. If you've got something where there's music playing in the background or there's, there's a voiceover on a video, absolutely add the sound on sticker. It's a great way to, again, encourage people to know that there's something else happening and it's a more active environment for them to listen than to just passively watch a video play through the sequence with no sound. Is that an engagement too? It is because if you do sound you on, tap or something, um, right? yeah, if they're tapping on it or doing anything on the screen, that becomes a, a an, an active engagement. Yeah, I'd highly recommend that folks do this on their TikTok stuff. I mean, since it's so it's so related to music uh, and sound in general, um, just putting that. All you got to do is put the sticker on, right? But yeah. you you have to put it on each individual story, right? Well, once you turn the volume on the first one, the rest of them will play with volume on. So as long as they're catching it on ah. the first video, then you'll be fine. Yep. Ah, good, 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 good stuff, good stuff. Okay, um, anything, and I know we don't want to talk about it a whole lot, but it is video only. IGTV, where are we at right now with IGTV? Yeah, so the fun thing is they keep changing it every two weeks. There's always a new feature, a new update, a new forced engagement. Um, so they're constantly changing things. And here's the thing. I think IGTV has a lot of potential, but they have really struggled with its integration into the Instagram platform. We've been saying that for two years now. Seriously. Like, <laughs> I'm like, why is it a standalone app? People are not going to go someplace else to watch these videos. So it's definitely something that can be valuable if you do it the right way. Instagram is pushing certain things. So now you can put that preview into your feed. It used to be a one minute preview. Now it's a 15 second preview because they found people were watching the minute and not carrying through. So now they're like, oh, well, we'll give you 15 seconds and that'll force you to IGTV, which doesn't seem to be making any difference. So I'm sure they're gonna change it again. But remember that, that that 15 seconds in the feed, if people are gonna watch that, you have 15 seconds to capture their attention enough to make them click keep watching to watch the whole video. So again, super powerful intros are important with your IGTV videos. 
Also, now all of your Instagram live replays, replays used to go to your Instagram stories and stay there for 24 hours. Oh no, now your Instagram live replays go to IGTV. So if you're going to do a live show and you've been, you know, great, your replays are probably down significantly. Make sure you're doing follow-ups to your IG live that say, catch the replay and put your IGTV link because anybody can put an IGTV link on their Instagram stories. You can't necessarily do the swipe up link if you don't have the 10,000 followers, but anybody can put their IGTV link on a story. So you can put a reminder after the live video to send them over to IGTV to watch that video replay. So you can still try to get as many of those replays as possible. And that does make it super easy because now you can automatically, if you're doing lives regularly, you know, weekly, monthly, whatever it is, now you've got guaranteed content going to your IGTV channel so that you have things there and available. Couple key tips, um, you know, IGTV, I would aim for under 10 minutes typically. Again, people don't have super long attention spans. You can do up to an hour, and if you wanna do webinar style content, go for it. But realize that most people aren't likely to watch super long form content on a mobile device and most people are accessing it on a mobile device. Although you can now watch um, Instagram Live and things like that on the desktop. So try to, I usually say keep it under 10 minutes for um, Instagram Live or for Instagram TV. And then also again, cover images are important because that explore feed, if someone is going to IGTV, they're seeing that cover image. So I recommend creating custom thumbnails for your IGTV that have, you know, what the content is, the description, even say, you know, three minute video, like put that on there in that cover image so people know what they're getting into. Yeah, and should we, should we go out of our way to make them vertical? Ideally, yes. I mean, they're, they're allowing, you know, landscape and rotation and things now. If you can still do it vertical, it's still typically how people are consuming content on IGTV and the Instagram lives are going in there as vertical. So it helps to keep the content consistent if you get in a vertical format, but you don't have to. Okay, I want to make sure that we talk about discovery uh, yeah. because this is a big point of contention. <laughs> about how you get seen there. And you know, this is something that I've been talking about a lot lately because I'm I'm a, I'm a much heavier user and have more expertise on TikTok. And then I, obviously Reels is coming out soon. There's all yeah. this news about Reels. And I keep saying I'm not worried about Reels, you guys, because Reels may allow us to create TikTok-like content, but it won't have the for you page. I don't know how familiar you are with TikTok, but it won't have that discovery engine. TikTok has the best yeah. discovery engine I've ever seen. So uh, maybe Reels has an answer to this. I don't know. But what's probably interesting <laughs> to me is probably not, right? It'll just allow us to create music videos or something. Well, because it's going to be uh, within the Instagram app. So unless they totally revamp the Explore page, it's not going to change. Right. They would have to add a whole nother, right. And so yeah. that's why I think ultimately it won't, it won't win. But I, I, but I do, but, but I am interested mm -hmm. in how you do get discovered. I mean, because the strategies change constantly. And some people say you just can't really grow organically uh, through hashtag strategies anymore. You can't grow or, I mean, you're never going to show up on the explore feed. Like, I mean, if you're starting from almost nothing right now, or even if you have a couple of hundred, 300, 400, whatever, you know, you're a startup, you started an Instagram, 200 of your mm -hmm. friends follow you and you, you're lucky to get another 150. 
and it seems like you're not reaching anybody because you know mm -hmm. it's insular, right? You post something, your followers see it, like well, a percentage of your followers <laughs> see it, and then that's it, right? I mean, yep. you can't. Um, obviously, something like TikTok, it's all go. It, it all has the potential to get seen by a broader audience, but it's it's a Facebook thing, right? It's a decision that they mm -hmm. have made um, because you see it on that platform as well. Yeah. So what do I do? Like, how do I get <laughs> discovered? How do I grow if I don't yeah. already have? I mean, even with these insights. You have to have like a certain amount of followers to even be able to get great insights on your stuff. Yeah, you, so you have to have a hundred followers. You, you have to have a hundred followers until you get insights on your Instagram account. So that's that's the threshold. Um, and I will say that you know I so again I have a bigger account. You know I do I manage a couple accounts and stuff like that. But I I just recently launched a new one um, for my daughter because we do all these at home crafts and activities and things. And I was like, hey, we're doing it. I have all the content. I may as well create her an Instagram account. So I did one and over the last three months, I've grown it to about 130 followers, all organic. I am not putting ads behind it. I'm not doing pods or any, you know, gaming of the system. I'm doing this completely organically to do a test to see what is working to really grow an audience these days when you're starting from scratch. Cause it is different than it was three, four or five years ago. So yes, hashtags absolutely work. I'm the hugest proponent of hashtags and I'm somebody who actually hates hashtags. I refuse to use them on any other platform, but they are okay. so important on Instagram. And with her account, which again has 130 followers, I will, with the right hashtag strategy, consistently get at least two to 300 views on her content. So I'm getting double to triple the views on her content that I have followers. And that's all coming from hashtags because I'm using the right strategy and putting the right content out there that that target audience wants to see. And that will get me to the explore page. So in order to get on the explore page, you have to have high performing content with followers and non-followers. If your content is performing fabulously with your followers, but non-followers are not seeing it or interacting with it, it will not show up on the explore page because if non-followers are liking it, why would they put it out there for more non-followers? So it's important that you use things like hashtags, like location tags, things like that to get your content into search. Instagram search sucks. Okay. I've been saying this from the get go. If I, if they, I could fix anything, it would be their search parameters on the platform because you can't search for a topic. I can't go in there and search for video tips. That's not a thing I can do, but I can search for hashtag video tips. So if you want to be found in search, if you want someone to find you for whatever it is you do, you have to have hashtags in there to be showing up in those searches or using location searches. If you maybe have a local, you know, geographically based business, that sort of thing, location tags can help as well. So you do want to use those that gets you the non follower performance. Therefore, if you're getting non followers and followers liking your content, you have a chance of showing up in the explore feed, regardless of follower count. You can get on the explore feed if you have 30 likes. You don't need 3,000 to get on the explore page. But the explore page is also algorithmically sorted per individual. It's 100% customized to each person. So 10 people can open up the explore page at the same time and see completely different content. If you don't like what you're seeing in the explore feed, then stop interacting with that content and start interacting with new things. So Instagram will, will test you and it will show you new things. If you stop and watch that video in the explore feed, it's going to show you more of that. If you scroll past it, it makes a note of that and it will pay attention to the videos that you are watching in the explore feed. The photos that you tap on and go to from the explore feed, the algorithm is ranking all of that content and it will then sort it based on your interaction with those content. So there's no way to guarantee you're showing up on the explore page, 
You have to have high performing followers and non followers content and your content has to be relevant to that person who is now looking at it for it to show up. But then there's also timing and saturation. You know, I always joke about like, I'm, I'm huge onto like the Royal family and everything. And if you look at my explore page, it's a lot of Royal family, but if Meghan Markle walks out her front door and there's 5 billion photos of her, my Instagram explore feed isn't going to be 5 billion photos of her. It's going to selectively choose 20. So algorithmically, it's less likely you're going to show up. But if you have new Meghan Markle content and there's nothing new in the news, you're more likely to show up in my explore feed because it's new content that the algorithm knows I'm going to want to see. So there's all these factors that tie in and make the explore feed very complicated. <laughs> okay, this is, this is interesting. Okay, so first let's reverse engineer what you're saying and then i want to yes. and then i want to hear the strategy but uh i think there's some misconceptions around why you would use hashtags for discovery in the first place you're talking about search so it's not actually people that are following these hashtags and get these hashtags in their feed it it's actually be. mostly search it's mostly search most people aren't following hashtags in their feed some people are but again in that situation, like I follow hashtag San Diego restaurants, so I can find new restaurants and things that are going on. But there's tens of thousands of photos associated with that hashtag. And I see one every, you know, 12 to 15 posts in my feed. My feed isn't saturated with every single image from that hashtag. So yes, a lot of those search results or the, or the discoverability from hashtags come from people going to search and looking for that hashtag, not just following it in the feed. Okay. And so should I be put, should I be putting in? Okay. Well, let's ask the other question. How many hashtags? What hashtags? So I have a whole strategy. Um, and I'm you sure you do. And there are so many of them out there. I don't know who right? to believe. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what right? to do. If you want to go to my YouTube channel. <laughs> Where do I put channel? it? Comment, <laughs> caption, periods, emojis between them. Oh, that is just like, everybody's got an opinion. I, I everyone does. Do. Um, my YouTube channel has a video that explains the whole recipe. I have, I call it the best hashtag strategy on the YouTube channel, but it doesn't matter. Comments or captions does not matter algorithmically unless you're using super popular hashtags with something over, you know, a few million posts associated with it. Those you want to keep in the caption because even a 30 second delay to post that in the comment basically will render that hashtag useless because they're just too popular and you get buried in archives too quickly. But in general, it doesn't matter caption versus uh, comment. In terms of how many to use, they were a use it or lose it mentality. Meaning if you only use five hashtags, you can only show up in those five searches. If you use 30 hashtags, you can show up in 30 searches. I'm going to go with 30 because I want more chances to be found. So more is better. Up to 30 is the maximum that you can use. By all means, do as many as you can. I recommend a minimum of 10, ideally around 20, and then anything above 20 is kind of gravy at that point. So aim for that. You want to combine popular, moderately popular, and niche specific. So those popular ones, I usually say about 500,000 to a million posts associated with them. And if you go to Instagram and look at a hashtag, it will tell you how many posts are associated with it. So the popular ones get you an initial burst of activity with those non-followers. It's high performing, lots of people are looking at that type of content. You're more likely to get seen in a short period of time. Moderately popular keep you active longer, hours into dates. So these are the high tens of thousands to that mid, you know, kind of 500,000 range. So these ones keep you active longer. So again, they're still relatively popular searches, things people you know, are looking for and your content's gonna still stay high enough in the feed for explore and discoverability. 
But then the niche specific, that's what you actually do. That is the actual solution you provide that your audience is actually looking for. So super specific to what you do and what you offer as a solution. And then because you've got followers liking your content, non-followers are seeing it in those more popular discoverability functions. Instagram goes, well, hey, this is good content. You've got great performance with followers, non-followers. And so in those niche specific, you will typically rank as a top post and you can stay in a top post position for weeks and even months. Meaning someone comes to that search, they see you first, they click on it. Now they're reading your caption, they're watching your video, they're scrolling through your carousel, they're navigating to your profile, they're following you, they're clicking email, they're you know doing all these different actions, all because they found you in that specific search that was exactly what they were looking for. Okay, great, that's super helpful. Uh... Let's make sure to all go to her YouTube channel and watch this <laughs> strategy video. I mean, there's so many and uh, there, there's also, uh, you know, there's a lot of strategies that have to do with using hashtags where most of the posts where, you know, people have the same amount of followers or average likes that you do and like all this, it's just so complicated. It can be, um, if you put some time into researching these hashtags and getting yourself a good solid baseline, like, you know, start to say, okay, here's my popular ones, my moderately popular, put them all in the context. And this is the thing I was, not the context necessarily of what you want to be found for, but what of your audience is looking for. So if you're doing, like, if you're in the photography, food, wedding industry, you can use those hashtags because people go to Instagram to look for photographers or for wedding vendors. That's totally normal. But if you're in more of a B2B space, if you're in that coaching space, those sorts of things, people aren't going to Instagram to look for that. They're scrolling through looking for maybe a motivational tip. Maybe they're scrolling through looking for ideas on home decor. You know, what is it that they're doing as an activity? What are they searching for that relates to what you do? So I always use the example of car insurance because that's, such a super sexy topic that, you know, everyone goes to Instagram to find car insurance brokers, right? No, you go to Google. So I wouldn't use hashtag car insurance on Instagram because that's only going to attract other car insurance brokers, but things like hashtag new car, hashtag dream car, hashtag my first car. If someone's posting about their first car, what do you think they need? Car insurance. <laughs> so you can create content that's relevant to those first time car buyers by using those hashtags and other related ones and actually show up in places where they're looking and still be able to provide that relevance of solution for what you do, but by going where they already are. Mm, yeah, that's great. Uh, and, and of course your, your content need, then needs to be relevant to that as well. So yes. then you actually create content for those people about first car, yes. dream car, things like that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. And so stop talking about yourself. Start talking about exactly. your audience. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's, it's fun. This has been, this has been wonderful. There's actually a ton more I could ask you, but we're out of time. But uh, I, uh, it's, it's, it's funny that, that we sort of cycle back at the end of the day, um, really like the things that would draw people to you in real life or on any other platform yep. are going to draw people to you on Instagram. So don't get, I mean, I think that what Jen is saying and what we're learning here is don't get in the weeds. You know, it's funny. It's clear. I'm not an Instagram expert in uh, any way shape or form. I've used it. Like I know the platform. I'm not, an, I'm not an expert at all, but, uh, at content marketing world this year, I'm speaking on Instagram video strategy, uh, mm. like a case study because I worked with a company called Babbel and we grew yeah. their Instagram a thousand percent when I was there, mm. but I don't know anything about Instagram. Really. What I know how to do is tell video stories that provoke 
people into feeling empathy and just doing that alone and leaving the distribution to the experts yep. was able to really move the needle. So I feel like at the end of the day, if you're just telling good stories and you're just relating to people, you can win. And when you add on these, these, these tactics and these specific ways of how the algorithm works, um, I feel like it could really be a powerhouse. So maybe we shouldn't give up on Instagram. Don't give up on Instagram. Um, yeah, and, and to your point, you know, I always say like, I can talk strategy for literally six hours. I can tell you every in and out about Instagram, how it works, why the algorithm does what it does, where it's pulling content. And that's great to know. But in all reality, like you said, it comes down to telling your story. It comes down to having fun. Instagram is a fun platform. And when you just do fun content and stop overthinking it and stop trying to be like everybody else, it usually does really well for you. So, you know, take off that, that polished perfection that you think you have to have. Really embrace your brand. However it is you communicate, photos, videos, you know, whatever, embrace it, try it, see what works, see what connects with your audience, and then give them more of that. Thanks, Jen. It's been awesome. Where, where can we find out more about you? So yeah, pretty much everywhere in the world is Jen's Trends. Uh, it's Jen with two N's, so J-E-N-N-S Trends. On Instagram and Twitter, it's J-E-N-N-S underscore Trends. Um, like I said, the YouTube channel, just search for Jen's Trends, that's there. And if you want to come hang out with me in my Facebook group, that's where I share all breaking news related to Instagram. So if something happens, new features, all those you know updates and things like that, we talk about it in the Facebook group first. So go search for Jen's Trends in social media on Facebook and you'll find the group. And you can always reach out to me if you're interested in having me on your podcast. If you want training or consulting or anything like that, um, you can always shoot me an email at jen at jenstrends.com. You absolutely should. This is the most fascinating Instagram discussion I've ever had. So Yay. Jen, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you all for being here. We will see you next time and uh, looking forward to it. <laughs>